amar prestar ein. The world is changed. Han mathoninen. I feel it in the water. Han mathoned kae. I feel it in the earth. Ahan naston ned quilith. I smell it in the air. Much that once was is lost, for none now live who remember. I call BS on that, though, because she remembers and she's living. Oh, yeah. Like she and, you know, a handful of other people like like her, Kelleborn and Elrond, I think, are the only people that probably remember it. Because, like, I think Legolas and even Thranduil was probably born after the. Oh, that's probably right. Anyway, welcome to Podcast of the Rings. I'm Jessica. Welcome to Podcast of the Rings, everybody. I'm Jessica Linverdi and Ben Goddard's with me, as always. And we're uh, departing? No. Deep, yeah, em- depart- embarking. Embarking, there it is. Not to Grey Havens, but to the first part of our watch through of Fellowship, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This is the first part of the, of the three parts of Fellowship. This nine episode series, guys, and probably ten because we're probably gonna do like a long overview, and maybe we can get Alex for that one because I'd love to hear like his just like feelings on the trilogy. Yeah, I think if it butts up against a holiday weekend when we record that, I think mm. that would make sense that we could get him to do that. Yeah. Um. Basically, yeah, he's just tired from teaching kids all day. He doesn't want to have to wrangle me emotionally while recording this podcast. I don't blame the him. Youth. The youth. So if you're watching along with us, today we're going to be talking from the beginning. We're, we're, we're examining the extended versions. That's important. Of course. And we, The only versions. The, the only version. I'm sorry. I can't believe I clarified that. And we're going until Rivendell. Basically, when Arwen crosses the river and uh, restores, question mark, uh, gets Frodo to question mark Rivendell? We don't know because we Does didn't finish he? it. I, we we've never seen these movies. What a cliffhanger. <laughs> we have no idea. But yeah, we're going to take you Find out next week on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that Yu-Gi-Oh! was actually about playing cards. Like that they legitimately traded cards in the world of Yu-Gi-Oh! I, I that... That seems to be, like, such a huge part of our childhood, like, you know, like, uh, Toonami and stuff. I'd never, maybe I'd heard of Yu-Gi-Oh!, but I had no idea what it was till like, very recently. Same. And that's why I was, like, actually kind of shocked to find out that it was so meta that, like, a game about cards comes out, or, like, a show about cards comes out probably hot on the heels. I don't know what the chicken and the egg situation with Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Dragon Ball is, but... Obviously, they're in that same world of anime and yeah. collection, and I honestly detest the idea that the that the show is about card collecting. I think it just rips the whole seal of illusion and immersion off. And I know kids love it, but it's like, nope, we just want you guys to buy these cards, and that's it. Uh, but kids love it. Uh, our friend Scott Rubens 
um, eldest is enjoying Yu-Gi-Oh! So good for them. That's great. Yeah. yeah. It seems like a very good game. Uh, I mean, like, there's toxic people in, like, every single community that oh. you can look at, but sure, it's fine. Whatever. I just... I. I You'll you'll never get me Yu-Gi-Oh. Never. Dragon no. Ball Z also passed me by though too. So it did, and like it's. I, I remember I went and saw the newest movie. What was like superhero in theaters, mm-hmm. and that was fun. I had a great time with it. But I was like, who's that? And I remember I went with our friend uh, Cameron Rice. And when Shinron, the big dragon, showed up, that, like, when you put all seven Dragon Balls together, Shinron appears, and I think you can, like, make, like, three wishes or something like that. I can't remember. The, I'm sure This is a big deal, essentially. Yeah, it's yeah. a big deal. And it, it had just come out in Fortnite, and so I was like, I whispered over to Cameron, I was like, that's the guy from Fortnite. And he was like, shut up right now, man. <laughs> come <laughs> so on. I mean, it's it's possibly my favorite thing to do now is that Fortnite has so many collaborations and, like, different skins in the game. That's my favorite thing to do. Anytime there's a Fortnite skin, I'll be like, oh, it's the guy from Fortnite, right? That's so I've done perfect. I've done that with Dragon Ball Z. I've done Walking Dead. Uh, I think um, Michael Myers is about to come out, so I can't wait to watch Halloween and be like, oh, it's the guy from Fortnite? They made a movie about him? Just like... <laughs> To some horror fan, it's gonna be amazing. It's you my should have a thing. TikTok that's dedicated just to that. I think, yeah, that's a absolutely. great idea. I love it. So let's jump in. I I have some thoughts from the bar- the very beginning, but I don't want to steal this one from you. This this well, observation. I, what was your before we just jump into it? This episode might be a little bit longer just because we're yeah. starting this. What was your anticipation for these movies? Like. You, you'd you read The Hobbit or had you read all the books um, you know, at this I'm time? I'm so glad yet sad that you asked this question because I meant to watch the trailer before today because that had to be all we had leading up to these movies. Do you want to – do do we want to pause this and watch the trailer and then talk about it real quick? I feel like we should do that. All right, here. I'll bring it up and I can, like, share the screen so we can just, like, watch it at the I same mean, time. I mean, we can also watch it as an audience together, right? Like, we're not going to get super dinged for that. They, they can deal with – they can watch us watch it or listen to us watch it. Um, uh, 12 years ago. Whoa. Okay. And the reason why – Trailer number one. I'll, I'll put it in the The reason why chat. I asked this is – Alex and I were listening to a podcast on our way back from a road trip yesterday, and it's kind of like this riddle, lateral thinking game. I didn't catch the name of it. It's Alex's, uh, one of Alex's shows in his rotation, and it said a bunch of people got tickets to see uh, Meet Joe Black, and a handful of uh, audience members walked out before they even saw the movie. And they were trying to figure out why. And one guy immediately was like, I know why. And sat out it's while the everyone. Phantom else. Menace trailer, right? Correct. Yeah, I remember that. So this is in a similar era where you're not necessarily going to get the trailer online, per se. So you have to go somewhere to see it. You got you, you know you know probably getting commercials. About. Oh no, there, it's like infamously known that Meet Joe Black's box office was boosted because it had the Phantom Menace, tra- Phantom Menace trailer before it. And I was wondering, did something similar happen with the Lord of the Rings trailer? So I, I couldn't remember. Because, like, basically, all you have in this day and age of 2001 when the movie comes out is commercials saying that the movie's coming out and this trailer playing before whatever, like, you know, a Meet Joe Black, essentially. Because yeah. you don't have YouTube 
reviewers reviewing trailers or what have you. Yeah. So I was I did want to get that under our belt. So let's let's watch this as an audience, folks. I hope there's trailer voice. Oh, new line. We miss you. Legend tells of a <gasps> ring created by an ancient evil. Gandalf's voice. That gave it Ian McKellen putting in the work right now for the world. Believed lost for centuries. It has now been found. <laughs> Is it secret? Is it safe? Oh my goodness. This is the one ring forged by the Dark Lord Sauron. Sauron needs only this ring to cover all the lands of a second. Oh, that's not in the movie. That's not in the movie at all. Some elves running happily. Yeah. Seeking it all, his thought is bent on it. Ooh, this is good. This is, no this, this is a very modern trailer because there is no trailer voice and there's no trailer guy. Right. Do they, Gandalf? They're really leaning on the on the horror of this. Its power corrupts all who desire it. Oh! The different takes they are using in this trailer is so good. Only one has the will do. to resist it. I'm afraid to do it. Okay, Galadriel. One does not simply walk into Mordor. <laughs> there is no other way. The Fellowship of Nine must destroy it. There's something down there. Oh, wow! My precious. Chills, dude. Oh, the dragon made the to look. The fireworks dragon they use is like a serious edge. So I love it. Oh, Ooh, the, the shield throw cut off. And this is all just the first movie. Wow. Dude, what? I'm frightened. Yes, not nearly frightened enough. That I do remember that last part. I like. I don't remember this trailer um, much. Um, like I remember being excited about it all that and I, like i remember but i remember that last line the are you frightened not nearly frightened enough i, was I like, almost i almost did the <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it has it has the hunger games vibe at the end but it does i'm so like that is such a good i don't i wonder there's no way that's like a fan-made trailer uh, but even this. like the first comment was like from the trailer we can see peter jackson's love of the horror genre and it's like that's where Peter Jackson comes from. You can really tell they really lean on the. If you guys watch the trailer, you know, with us or later on, they really lean on the Nazgul. And watching this first, you know, up until Rivendell, they are the main antagonist. They it is like not a slasher, I would say, but it's close to it. I'm, it's a horror film, and we yeah. talked about this previous in a previous episode, and even even just rewatching it, just the first third to to do this episode the nazgul coming through the prancing pony with the swords you know at oh, eye yeah. level of you know the guy who runs the inn is frightening it's oh it's terrifying that whole i think his name is butterbur i think uh-huh um yeah that whole that shot of all the swords and like you know they're like holding it by their sides and I just mean, him it, like cowering in fear is so good and we get the horror 
really early on too where like who's in Frodo's house you know we don't know it's Gandalf but we know that the Nazgul are in town so yes I I think it's actually kind of smart because it it that whole uh trailer was adrenaline inducing for sure especially if you know the books and you're like kind of seeing something come to life that you've always wanted to and I and I I wish I could remember a little bit better how I was feeling, except for the fact that I just knew I was going to see it. I think I was feeling pressure because I wanted to finish the books before the movies came out. And I was like right up to the wire. So that's kind of where my anticipation of the movies were. What about you? I I remember I was think I was halfway through Return of the King when this trailer dropped. Um uh, I had those softback books, the paperback books. People will know them, you know, the the green, red, and blue yep, uh, yep. trilogy. And it's like, you know, and it even said on those, like, soon to be a major motion picture. So even when I was reading them, I was like, oh, they're turning these into movies. Awesome. And so I, I don't want to lie and say I remember the hype. Uh, but I remember I don't remember the hype of the trailer, but I remember we were going to go see it. This was, We always see a movie on Christmas Eve, me and my family. Oh, and this was going to be our Christmas Eve movie. These movies always came like on my birthday, which is the 14th. So I always had to wait a little bit. I didn't wait. Um, my parents gave me permission to go see it uh, with friends, see Return of the King with friends like on the day it came out. So I saw that twice within a week. Um, but That's yeah, I, cute. yeah, I couldn't wait. I told them, I was like, I cannot wait. And they're like, we understand. And so they let me go see it. What a sweet tra- tradition though. I love that. It, it, we've seen so many great movies and some not great ones, but they're always great, better on, a on Christmas Eve. But, um, just seeing, I remember, and that I told that story where I was at a, like a family Christmas party and the guy was like, oh yeah, the battle of the five armies is really cool. I was like, that wasn't. The battle, the five armies. I don't know what you're referring to, but it definitely wasn't that. <laughs> so even in 2001, I was like, I didn't, I didn't say it rudely because it was my friend, but I was like, I don't think that was the battle of five armies because that's from a different book. He's like, no, I think, I think it. I was like, no, it's, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, oh my god, um, I love that knowledge though. But uh, I was so. This was my. I could not wait because I, I think I. I think I read like in the paper or something that it had like a Christmas release date even before the trailer dropped. So I was like, oh my gosh. And I said, this is our Christmas movie. Like, this is it. Oh, how sweet. Because I, I wasn't going to see, you know, so I was 14, so I couldn't drive myself to the theater. So it was either like if my dad or mom wanted to see it, they, they would take me or I was kind of SOL. Um, and so I was like, we're going to see this. And they're like, okay, that sounds good. And then it was just major anticipation especially when it came out and i had to wait the extra week of like waiting to see it i it was amazing and then i think i saw it i definitely saw it again before i went back to school you know we were on christmas break from school i definitely saw it again in theaters before school started and then i saw it one more time before it left theaters oh my god because people forget there was a time, and I—it's a great time that we live in now. That as soon as something leaves theaters, it's on VOD, and then a month later, it's on Blu-ray. But people don't remember, or you know, they're too young. There was like this amalgus time of like six to eight months where a movie would be gone from theaters. Now, granted, they, movies would stay in theaters a lot longer because students sure. would, be, would be like, "Oh, you know, it's on his fifth week, and it made." 
$10 million, we're going to keep it for a few more weeks. It's not like they're losing money. They already yeah. have the, the film. Yeah, I it's mean, like now it's like you, you get maybe three weekends of a movie and then it's just gone. Um, or then it's on VOD or Disney Plus or whatever. But there was like six to eight months where you were waiting for something to come out on VHS or DVD. And uh, I, I remember uh, my parents like, hey, can you get something from the garage? It's on the shelf. And I was like, okay. And I walked into the garage and I opened it. And there was the Fellowship of the Ring DVD. And it was like the sweetest little surprise. And we, we watched it that night. So I remember all these things. of just Because it was that time where I'd seen it three times in theaters. And so I was just waiting and waiting. And I, you know, I wasn't a movie enough nerd to know when the DVD release date was. Um, but it was just there. And we watched it that night. And it's so great. And I've seen it a million times since then. But... Watching this, I was I taking notes and I kept like repeating myself. This works so well. They do so good with this. And I'm like, oh, you're just gonna sound so repetitive and just just slurping this movie this whole time. I was like, it's so good. It's just so good. It it and I don't know how it could even age poorly. Do you know what I mean? A little bit of the CGI kind of sticks out, but you you can really forgive it. And it's just moments too, where you're like, nah, that doesn't matter. You know, um, I, I make sense of why this film is a Christmas film. I never really understood except for like, of course it makes sense to watch something when you have that amount of free time. That's this yeah. long and that not arduous, but, um, it's an investment of time, but it makes sense that if they came out in Christmas, then you start associating all of those memories with that. And, you know, it's oh yeah, those... these are these are Christmas movies for me. I know that there's no mention of any holidays. Um, like you know, people do that with Harry Potter, but they celebrate Christmas in Harry Potter, um, right? Because it's our modern era as yeah, well. But these are for sure cr- holiday Christmas movies for me. I will say this though, because we're recording this leading up to, and we'll go through the our own fall here. Um, while we're recording this, but it's almost Halloween. I was like, you know what? This is a great Halloween slash Thanksgiving film because there's Absolutely. also not a lot of Thanksgiving films. The only one I know I always watch is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And For sure. Sometimes I'll do Trading Places because that traverses from Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's. But yeah. Um, anyway, it this has this movie does have Halloween vibes, especially because of the horror aspect. So are you ready? It's like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Like you, and that's the thing is that I remember watching Spider-Man, not knowing like I'd maybe seen Evil Dead, but you know, again, sure. it's so, it's like, I feel like nowadays you have to have been a movie kid since you were like five and read the trades and no directors. Like, no, I just just watch movies. And I remember seeing that scene in Spider-Man two with the, the Doc Ock's arms. And I was like, the horror, I was like, this is scary. And then I didn't really kills people. Oh yeah. And then I, then, you know, obviously I grew up, I was like, oh yeah, this is Sam Raimi. I I get why this is it. And that's why the, you, you see the hints and even most recently like Shazam um, with David F. Sandberg who directed lights out and one of the Ouija movies, I think Um, there's so much like horror nods in those movies too. And it's like, yeah, see big, Big studios, you you hired these directors for a reason. Let them direct. <laughs> well, and you, in order to really make horror work, it's all about knowing what to show you, what not to show you, when to give you the release, when to keep you in suspense. That's a really intimate knowledge of like human nature. Yeah. And I would 
even goes so far as to say, like, your best comedians are some of your best dramatic actors because they also know timing. They also know human nature. And and I'm sure there's it's there's similar vibes there where a horror director can direct the crap out of an epic because they understand timing and know how to go from light to dark to light to dark as opposed to, oh, I'm afraid to do that. I, uh, I don't want it to be too scary. You know, they know yeah. that we want to feel the breadth of emotions in, in movies. I I'm agree. pretty. Sa- I'm sounding you, pretty smart. You're sounding so smart. It's, like, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Dang. So this is what I didn't want to steal from you because you sent me the reel where Galadriel is all about being the fairest in the land. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Straight the up the gate, she's like. The wisest, the- fairest, and most like. <laughs> oh man, it's so. But this is the thing is that there's so many movies nowadays because we're in the age of, you know, comic book movies, superhero movies, and even that trailer that we watched because, you know, before it'd be like one man on a mission. Like you literally have a voiceover telling you what the movie was about. And so that was the strange part about that trailer for me is that it was Ian McKellen and and it was a very modern trailer of the characters saying plot points to get you to understand what the movie was. Yeah, there was text on screen that simplified it, but it was, you know, like Dune. Like, Dune is such this complex story, but I remember watching the trailer and not knowing anything about it. I was like, oh, I totally get what this is about. Like, this is great. Um, and this opening monologue, this opening, this whole prologue, one, I never in a million years would have guessed that Kate Blanchett was 30 when she filmed this, or like 29. Is it truly insane? Truly, truly because, insane. Because uh, of how mature she is? Just like the sound of her voice, the the presence she gives off. Right. Like, I I don't know. I, I don't want to say like age equals wisdom or anything like that, but she just doesn't – I just know myself at 30 could not give this performance or give this – impression to people totally i think that's what makes her casting absolutely impeccable is her ability to be timeless and ageless you know what sound as wise as she does i mean i looked it up too because i was trying to remember did we know kate blanchett leading up to these movies and we did because she was in the talented mrs mr ripley before this Mm. and um elizabeth she was queen elizabeth um, so we had already, like, she'd been put on the map. Yeah. But before then, she was just a renowned, I mean, she was a Australian film and TV star or, you know, working actor, but also was uh, busy on the stage, too. So she definitely brings all that command to this. She does. And I remember looking up her age a couple of years ago, too, I think, or when Alex and I were watching it, going... How old is how old is she? And it is shocking, actually. I couldn't agree with you more because she feels like she's fifty years old, just giving you, you know, the performance of a lifetime. Yeah, she feels like Helen Mirren, like last year or something. Like she feels like Dame Judi Dench. You took the words out of my mouth that I I stopped from saying for sure. Yeah, and she's like not half their age, but twenty five, thirty years younger than than both of them. It's crazy. I, yeah, and I think just around 30 was when I was beginning to understand my strength as a woman. Um, but I wonder if just her being in the business for so long and being accomplished, she kind of had to learn that sooner 
or or maybe she came out the gate like the wounds real smart. Some people just know, and then also it's just we'll refer to this a lot probably in these episodes, but it's like the time they took their time mm. making this, and even you know we saw in that trailer the the cut where Aragorn says you can't yeah, like it has no other master in the in the final cut he's sitting down and he's like it has no other master like he's just like trying to explain it to boromir in the trailer he's like standing up and you know like yelling and it's like yeah they did multiple takes like they had time to like oh let's try this let like i don't think peter jackson is stanley kubrick or anything and wearing his actors down but it's just they had time to do this and you know I'll, I'll get to it especially when the urukai are created that one shot of the urukai coming out of the mud pit that man is six foot five he is covered head to toe in orc makeup and then slathered in mud and slime and a wig and it's just like that alone for that five second shot was probably three days of shooting also very upsetting scene very I it's upsetting to me <laughs> viscerally this like that is the the horror director Peter Jackson just like oh yeah oh, I'm gonna take my With moment no right here. logic there's no logic of yeah the orcs are born in the ground they come out full <laughs> you know, like also oh, yeah. time kind of gets a, a little like fudged in this movie too well that's the thing is that you know I I, I will get into it later and we'll try and stick to the plot but just we'll we'll jump around a little bit too but just like do you think because you know we know in the book it's like 19 20 years from bilbo's birthday right. to gandalf keep it secret keep it safe um or when frodo departs the shire i can't yes, remember yes that's uh, that's correct i think yeah. he, i think gandalf's like something's weird about that ring just don't talk about it and then comes back 20 years later and it's like what's going on so how long do you think it is from keep it secret, keep it safe in the movie um, to uh, their conversation, Fireside, and, you know, him leaving the Shire? Oh, uh, I think it's a month. Think it's a month? I, th I don't think it's much more than that. Um, that. At least that's the impression I got. Um, it's like, you know, he goes, <laughs> goes to do some... I, it can't be a year. It doesn't feel like a year. You know what I mean? I've always I've always thought of it as a month or so. I uh, yeah, I I'd give it like maybe 3 months because just like the the way Saruman says when he, he says like the the Nazgul crossed the river Isen on Midsummer's Eve, like it feels like that was a long time ago or something. Oh gosh, I didn't realize that they had an indicator of time. Um because the birth Frodo's birthday is when? Uh I don't uh, know. Uh, it's out there somewhere because then that would indicate a, a passage of time. But so he says, keep it hidden, keep it safe. And then Gandalf leaves again. Oh, okay. So maybe I'm getting confused here. The I think the passage of time a month is between Bilbo's birthday to when mm. Gandalf arrives again. Yes. That's, that's what I think is about a month. A month? Okay. And then... A couple days pass where Gandalf's like, I'm going to go to Sauron. That's what I think. It's just a couple days. Yeah. Because he rides from the Shire straight to Isengard. But, but within that time, like the trees are being felled. All the trees then are gone. You know, like build me an army. I feel like the recovery time that Frodo... Uh, goes through in Rivendell is actually when all that is occurring with Gandalf and Saruman. 
See, okay. Um, I disagree in that is that because they leave the Shire. Gandalf goes to Isengard and gets wizard battled, break dances, and gets captured. Um, then he starts industrializing everything. Right. Be- uh, but, like, th- he goes to the Prince Pony, and so I feel like they're out in the wilds for, like, a few weeks. Ah, uh, that's possible. That's correct. Like, I think, because it's a long journey to Rivendell, and Aragorn's taking them on the longer journey, you know, like, taking them in through the wilderness. And so I think that whole time Gandalf is captured, that's when the industrialization starts. That's when, like, they tear down all the trees and stuff. And that's when they, like, build me an army. That's fair. Uh, And the reason why it feels truncated to me, their time in the wilderness with Aragorn, uh, is because it's just like, oh, second breakfast. We haven't been on the road yet. Like, like by the time that... (laughs) So here's my other thing. Mary and Pippin happen upon Frodo and Sam in the midst, in the middle of Maggot's farm. That same night, they go to the Prancing Pony. It's the same night. So they haven't, like, been out in the wilderness to the point where they realize we actually can't stop for second breakfast in 11Zs. Because, like, the first day they're on the yeah. road is in that, you know, uh, snowy area with uh, Aragorn. And then they find, you know, where the Nazgul find them on that keep up there weather top the weather top that feels like it's a day to get to that point but it's probably much longer it because i think sam even says like we're still six days from rivendell after frodo gets stabbed yeah it and it has to be that they were already on the road for some time yeah but so i them, think they're yeah. but them lighting that fire is such a newbie mistake no i i made this note and i do want to go in order um but like i made this note that like i'm on gandalf's side pippin's the worst in this movie he is But how come sam didn't tell him to put the fire how come mary didn't sam isn't confrontational like i don't think i don't think sam he i don't think gandalf filled him in on what exactly is at stake i think he didn't know. But Aragorn didn't say, don't light a fire. I'll be, you know, keep it down. Like, I just, it's pretty dumb that they made that mistake, all three of them. I think Pippin and Mary, like, I think Sam was like, hey, don't do it. And they're like, no, we're going to eat. Like, you know, we haven't eaten a proper meal in, you know, however many weeks. And, uh, like, and we're oh, fine. We're, we're yeah, we're here. fine. Yeah, we're up here. And so uh, they didn't show it. But I think Sam did, like, you know, the, the protesting, but. You know, Sam. Sam's a hungry boy, so he want he wants some fresh tomatoes and some nice crispy bacon. That's fair. Okay, so yes, a little bit of uh, forward thought process because because one of the things I, I think it's good that we kind of get straight is like what is the passage of time a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, Galadriel. One of the things I also realized is she really hates men. She really has like some like. I mean, Venom when she's talking about men. You know, I mean, maybe we'll see in a Rings of Power of why she does. Because, like, they hate dwarves, but she's like, men are. I don't think Galadriel hates dwarves. She doesn't, but elves do. Elv- yeah, elves do. But Galadriel um, hates men. Yeah. Desire maybe power. Maybe that's why. Like, the, 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 the wrath in that word, <laughs> desire power. Oh. <laughs> okay, you got tempted too, girl. <laughs> yeah, but she overcame it. She. <laughs> Fair, fair. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that the beginning is so great. It's so succinct in that 
in the same way in just the hobbit i think the hobbit prologue is longer than the lord of the rings prologue and that shouldn't happen <laughs> wow that's such a good point i mean we we talked about this ad nauseum the hobbit movie should have been two films and that's yeah. it should have been two films but just in this th- it's a much simpler story too and the everything it's written more simply as yeah. well and the fact that all the things they cover in this prologue and then just get straight to the Battle of the Last Alliance. And this is this like, I'll compare it a little bit to like Iron Man. Because Iron Man, they knew that there's going to be a lot. This is the first MCU movie. We got a lot to cover here. And they open with, you know, the, the ambush. The Humvee ambush. And then it's like, oh, three months earlier. Because there's going to be a lot of like non-action going on. And even kind of the fir- whole first act of him building a suit. There's not really a lot of action except for him breaking out. And there's not really a lot of action for the rest of the movie until the third act. So it's like they, they, they paced it out very well. And so, like, we're going to give you a little taste of this. And boy, howdy, this is my Elrond. My boy is out there, no helmet, just, like, shouting commands, arrows whizzing. Like, that. when I first saw that arrow whiz by and, like, do his hair and he doesn't even blink, oh, my gosh. Oh my God, Hugo Weaving, <laughs> take me! Like it is, that, it is um, pretty spectacular. And then the whole elves doing the the double sword lance thing with the uppercut as the as they all come down the line in a choreograph, just yeah. like oh, insane! That is amazing. I I think you're one hundred percent right. Peter Jackson is going. By the way, there's a lot of battles in this uh, trilogy. Yeah. This is just a taste, and it's it's because it's intense. There's a, I was thinking, you know, one of the things we talk about, and everyone knows, they made the chainmail piece by piece. They made the armor, you know, like every. There's not a lot of CGI in these battles when it comes to like actual beings fighting, and the you know, he. This is a small part of the movie, and they're still giving us um, an immense battle. Yeah, and then just showing. The simple visual, like, all the force perspective in these movies is so good. And the simple fact that you see, you know, Elrond doing his thing. And, you know, for all of us book nerds, you see Gilgalad with his spear. The guy that does the downward spear. That's Gilgalad. And he's, like, him and uh, Elendil in the books are the ones that, like, fought Sauron. Like, in the books, Elendil and... Uh, Gilgalad actually put up a fight before they die. They don't just get like, <laughs> doesn't get like just backhanded into it oblivion. It is actually dumb what Elendil does. It's actually, it's dumb. It really is because <laughs> Sauron is taking out like six dudes at a time just like weed whacking these mofos and then he's like, no, I got this. Nope. <laughs> what What do you think you're doing, dude? <laughs> like, yeah, I remember like poor Vine on Smack Cam. Like Smack Cam, uh, that's what it was. <laughs> sure. Um, But just that he's like 10 feet tall oh i actually think he's bigger than that i th- it's I possible think... he's so huge and intimidating his like the costume design of his helmet is so cool and then just the him like stepping on the sword and breaking it is like everything is so good in this and then I also like in um, in the theatrical cut it just when she says the ring betrayed Isildur to his death it just shows him floating in the river after the ambush. But I like in the extended cut, he, he you see him put on the ring, dive into the river, and then as he's swimming, it like 
quote unquote falls off. Mm-hmm. But I like that that it betrayed him. It literally comes off his. It makes it seem like it's more of a living entity in this moment that it came off his finger and basically got him killed. Okay, it it betrayed him because Isildur betrayed his men by going bye everybody. <laughs> yeah, later, dude. Like, <laughs> what kind of leader of men are you that you're like? You know what? You guys got this. <laughs> yeah, the. Like, the I know in the books it's different. They're like besieged and, you know, there's a whole council and everything. But just in the movie, it's just like 30 seconds into attack. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> what a coward. <laughs> yeah. They definitely make Isildur a lot worse in the book than, <laughs> I mean, in the movie. Um, but I do like that part. And just the passage of time is great. You know, like darkness crept back into the forest. Oh, a, a nameless totally. whisper. And just the shots of like the water slowly rippling the shot of the moon, and then Gollum, that whole thing, and then Bilbo, and then it, it's crazy because it goes from one opening prologue to another, and it doesn't feel forced or ex- – like the amount of exposition we're given in the first 30 minutes of this movie, it's basically all exposition about the entire setup of the movie – and then concerning hobbits. Right. And none of it feels bad. It's like, oh, we're going from this daunting, serious, world-ending power. Oh, concerning hobbits. They like weed. They like beer. But they love gardening. And you're like, you know what? I'm okay. I needed that. This is why this. it's a huge travel experience now. Because that yeah. opening, the, the concerning hobbits section is absolutely magical. Yeah. It is... And all the hobbits are really dumb. You're not seeing them at their best. Here. No, you're not. <laughs> they are they are peak peak ignorance is bliss stage where just like the guys cha- I always recommend <laughs> I always want to be an extra of just like old British man or old New Zealand man cast as either Hobbit or, you know, at the Prancing Pony, all the bar patrons. Those are the some of the ugliest people I've ever seen in like my the life. Like mo- the most focused features like the guy in the prancing pony that turns with the two beer mugs as I Frodo's like I noticed that guy right? too his face is crazy <laughs> just like how did they how did Peter Jackson of the casting department find the, these people like and they're they so good they showed up at a pub they showed up at a pub oh and for just, sure you know what I mean like okay just don't snort coke this while we're recording but like and- to be immortalized as that guy because he is so noticeable. He is so memorable. And I love it. Um, you know what? And to Peter Jackson's credit, you know, he's he's got notable features in that. Like, he's a heavyset guy. And then we see him three times in the trilogy. We see him three times in The Hobbit. You know, he finds ways to, like, put himself in the movie. And it, and it kind of works. His little daughter is a darn good actress. Is she okay? I she's always a forget. little girl that's watching Gandalf, uh, watching Bilbo tell the story. About that's the what trolls. I thought. That's what I thought. I always forget if she's a, a fireworks girl at the very beginning as Gandalf's going by, or is she the the girl that goes <gasps> uh, that when he's one. telling the troll story? Okay, that one. That's she's what I thought. Killing it. She's so good. She's got perfect little Hobbit features. She does like, and that's and they do like having Gandalf show up after you know Bilbo's telling the story and everything. He's so I, – I know Sean Connery was initially offered this role, and I'm sure we'll say this about every character because everyone does so perfect in these roles. But I don't know if Sean Connery has that kind of warmth of like Frodo jumping into his arms 
And, you know, oh, even totally. telling the joke of, you know, a wizard is never late. He arrives and then slowly laughing. And it's just after the doom and gloom of everything and the wars coming and the evil returning, it's like this, this, you need that hug from Gandalf. Like we as the audience need that just as much as Frodo does. I also think we need to know right away, um, especially because like book Gandalf is, is, is different, is notably different. Um, to the point where you watch the movie and he, like, you, you've talked about this a hundred times and I love it, where he, like, just in, in, like, the Rankin-Bass ones, I think, he just, like, tries to scare Sam for yeah, no like, good reason. Sam, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, we need to kind of, we need to see the heart in Gandalf early on to know what his motivation is. Because yes. otherwise, if he just punks Bilbo later on about the ring. He's just a bully, you know, and and even seeing him not take himself that seriously in that moment, I forget that, uh, you know, because it's such a great line, a wizard is neither late or early. He rides precisely when he means to. And he knows that's a load of crock. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? He's just, yeah. you know, it's like a, it's a battle of wits between him and Frodo. It's fantastic. And and it is so warm. And he's daddy. I More... I've never seen him as daddy before, but now rewatching it, I see him as daddy. Yeah. And I really just do. Everything about concerning hobbits, you're like, oh my God, I want to live here so bad in such a short amount of time. Just like in this extended scene where they're just driving all around the Shire, uh, seeing everybody with the giant pumpkins. And it's amazing. It's just so welcoming. And you're like, this would. And it, it goes rewatching this over and over again it goes into just the strength Frodo has in simply leaving this paradise like there are no worries besides the Saxville Bagginses annoying you or stealing your spoons that's it it's actually um there's one of the things I was like watching for for our purposes was like do we see like agency in Frodo do we see agency in Merry and Pippin because the way even in Sam like Sam doesn't actually have a lot of freedom with the choice of joining Frodo on the journey. Mm -hmm. But Frodo is, is scared out of his mind, is saying, wait, pe do people know it's here? No one knows it's here. Do they, you know, Gandalf? And like, well, you have to take it. You have to take it. And Gandalf's like, I can't. And without very much more explanation, on a dime, Frodo goes, well, what do we have to do? Or what do I have to do? Yeah. He like handles business. And it is so cool to see that switch and you're like man i could kind of see him taking it all the way like he has no idea what he's about to embark on no not at all and just the simple visual language of when like i do want to talk about the moment you know we get the, the party song absolute banger played all the time uh i love bilbo's speech of like oh i tried to say something funny it flopped and now i have all the social anxiety in the world okay bye i can literally disappear Perfect. He's, I didn't he is it that me. way. That's great. That's he is he is literally me. <laughs> he literally uh, hobbit goodbyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then uh, you know, I love like we've all we've had is like jokey Gandalf making Pippin and Mary wash the dishes, but not really being mad. They're just like, oh, it's your punishment, like making fireworks. And then that moment where Bilbo's going full golem on him, not wanting the ring, like that moment of him drawing himself up and the the room caving in and mm -hmm. just like do not take me for some conjurer cheap tricks. Like, okay. For, and I, I always like to view these movies as just a movie watcher. 
uh, like someone who's just watched that trailer and is like, oh, I'm going to go see this. It sounds sure. it looks great. Uh, seeing that, like, oh, this guy's the real deal. He's not, you know, some jokester, you know, some, he's not Radagast, basically. Uh, hey, no, even sorry. Radagast taking, tries. Taking strays, okay. <laughs> um, he tries. But, but after that, just the simple thing of, one, I love when the ring falls. It doesn't bounce. It just goes, like, you hear the da-dum. Oh. Like, it, like the, so, God, this movie's good. Um, but when Gandalf tries to pick it up, you get that jump scare of the eye, which still gets me to this day, honestly. Does it? It, it, it got me. I was kind of, like, taking notes, and I was like, ah! Like, I just heard it <laughs> in my headphones. Um, but then he can't touch it, but then the moment Frodo comes in and, like, just picks it up, it's like that's such good visual language to where we don't know if the ring doesn't take him seriously or whatever, but the fact that Gandalf can't pick it up and we just saw how powerful he could possibly be, and then Frodo just comes in and picks it up and is holding it in his hand like it's nothing. And even Gan- like you see Gandalf look at it, it's like, oh, okay. And he huh. takes it in before kind of like playing it off like, oh, he left you his ring, you know, keep it secret, keep it safe, like stuff like that. Right. So I, I love the, the simple visual storytelling Peter Jackson does to show Frodo's strength before you really start to see it. Wow. Is great. Yeah. I th- and I think that's a, a great reason to try to watch these with um, a fresh, naive eye mm-hmm. so that, you know, those things are kind of lost on you when you're just taking in a movie for the first time, but it is leaving an impression on you so that you know what the, the, the character is doing. You're never going to succeed as a screenwriter or a movie maker if your characters tell you everything you need to know about them. You can watch them tell you. Yeah. Know, how they interact with the world tells you everything. And the less dialogue, the better sometimes. And, wow. you know, like you said, you know, he goes from take it, Gandalf, to what must I do? Ugh. And then um, just even Gandalf, even if you didn't pick up on that. And it's not, it doesn't, again, like this script is so well written. I know it's, you know, adapted from a book. But everything is so well written that he's just like, you could, you could learn everything you want to from a hobbit in 10 minutes. And then after 100 years, they can still surprise you. And it's true. Like, you know, even Bilbo's concerning hobbit. It's like, oh, you know, we're simple folk. We like weed. We like gardening we like food but then frodo's just like okay you can't take it what can i do yep it's beautiful it's beautiful and he doesn't understand like he doesn't understand like gandalf says like i would want to do good things but i i wouldn't be able to like frodo doesn't know what that means like he doesn't know the power of this thing and but he's just like okay then it's up to me i guess and granted he he doesn't think he's going to mount doom at that moment no, but he thinks no. he's rivendell's pretty freaking far and he just got to explain that these nine terrible things are coming to him. He doesn't know what the Nazgul are, but he's just like, okay, uh, these very scary creatures know my last name and know where I live. Like, so it's pretty, pretty frightening. And honestly, he doesn't know anything past the Prancing Pony. That's the end of the goal. That's the end of the plan is yeah. to, to the Prancing Pony. He's, he's got to go from the Shire to, the, to Bree and then Gandalf will again like be there to escort him. And, like, maybe he can make it to Rivendell or something. But. And that just, that journey alone is frightening. And oh, it's this terrifying. Is this is something I hadn't considered up until this point. Frodo, let alone Bil- Bilbo, have probably never seen Gandalf scared. 
and you're no. literally seeing him like the most powerful person you know. It's like it's like when you see your father for the first time like get hurt or yeah genuinely like cry or genuinely like all of a sudden you're witnessing this mortal thing and and obviously know that Gandalf isn't mortal but that's got to be harrowing and still in the face of that to, it's kind of cool to see like Frodo go okay fine you can't handle this I can yeah and that's it's even it's more so well impressive. done yeah, it really is. And I love everything about the visual language of these moments and seeing how these characters just immediately come into their own. And even Sam, you know, like the the goofiness of Sam's entrance. One, you know, like I love. Don't worry, Sam. Rosie knows an idiot when she sees one. He's like, she can? She, I know. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, Sean Austin's so good in these movies. It's and he's so, so lovable. Good. But then just like seeing... You know, Sam, like, oh, well, like, I, I didn't sign up for this, but I'm here. And then even out of fear of Gandalf, he's like, oh, don't don't let anything happen to Frodo. But just like him, like throwing off Merry and Pippin from is like, get off of him. Like everything about this is he, so He great. takes up his charge for sure. Yeah. And Gandalf, I got to say this, too. Gandalf hits him pretty hard with that stuff. He does. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. know. Boom. No, yeah. I know. It's fantastic. And he, boom, and it is over. It's so good. You know, I think now's a good opportunity to give our, since this is going to be a little bit longer than our normal episodes, let's let's give an intermission for our, our audience members. And and I think we should improvise what a commercial in Hobbiton, like what would a good commercial like to like travel to Hobbiton be? Or like, oh. or like what's a Farmer Maggot commercial? What do you think? Oh, the, like, uh... uh all organic crops or something. <laughs> or welcome to Hobbiton, where you'll get your... I can't say that. Oh, can't... oh bad. Bad girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> what were... Oh, my God. Okay, no more commercials from Jess. <laughs> Jess is going for those late-night E-channel commercials or something. <laughs> Come to Hobbiton, where the women are taller than the men, and you can call them mummy. Oh, my Stop. <laughs> Stop it. We are we are a PG rated podcast. All right. I think we'll take a, a a short little respite and then we'll come back and talk about the rest of the movie. Welcome back from uh, that little break where we come back to talk about the last part of the first third of the Fellowship of the Rings, the first of the Lord of the Rings trilogy movie. Yes, nailed it. Nailed it. So yeah, we get them on the road. We then now we're really like right before they get to Bree, uh, Mary and Pippin run into Sam and Frodo. Sam pushes Mary and Pippin for like running into them. It's great. And then the Nazgul finally like. The second they're on the road, the Nazgul, one of the Nazgul finds them. Yeah, that uh, that Jaws shot, like the the zoom in but zoom out. I know there's mm -hmm. like a name for it. I, I can't think of what it's called. But that, that slow zoom in while the ground like caves away from you is so good is from coming down the road. And then, yes, should the Nazgul have found them right there? Sure. I don't care. It doesn't make the scene less terrifying. Because there's a shot, uh, there's a, a quick shot, and we get it a little bit when the Nazgul, you know, 
question that guy cutting firewood. We see like the bloody hooves, but it's at night. So you, but that shots at night. This one's during the day, and they show the hooves again, and you can see. It's like I don't know why they did this detail, but it's so good that there are nails just coming out of the hoof, and it's just like. The, these are how these animals are treated. And it's just like the smallest detail that didn't need to be in the movie, but they went that extra mile. And obviously they didn't actually do it. It's like they're glued on or whatever. But it's just like the small detail that if you notice it, they're like, oh, this is truly like a creature that's been abused and turned evil. And like there's something wrong with the horse as well as the rider that... I mean, they're foaming it, at the mouth when they're chasing... Yeah, they're foaming at the yeah, mouth. Uh, they're bleeding. It just It's just so terrifying. And then he's got metal boots on and then, like, his knuckle gauntlets when he leans over and the, the, the sniffing in the air. Oh, my God. What was your first thought? Like, how did you react in the theater when you saw this? I imagine I was absolutely scared out of my mind. I, I, can't, I can't imagine I was comfortable during this scene yeah and re-watching it for this it's they yet again taking the time where they're just like perfectly nestled in the hollow of this tree and just waiting out the inevitable of being found it and not yeah. knowing like what to do and you could see like the tone change mary and pippin are looking into the bag and sam's like in the middle of them doing that and then all of a sudden like the tone shifts and they're like wait holy crap what is happening and it's it's just it's just horrible do you did you have do you remember how you felt when you watched i, this I was terrified like Were you? truly truly terrified because the sound design of this part is so good because you hear the birds chirping and then they stop and then you don't even hear the horse approaching until maybe one step before it's on screen. And just the 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 depth of field, seeing how small they are underneath the the tree right. and how giant the horse is and the Nazgul on top of it. And then also you get from their perspective too. Like you see the, you know, from the wide shot you see everything, but then it's just from like like a hole in the tree, you see the hoof and then the boots land mm. and then you see it come over the top of them. And it's just, oh my God, the sniffing is so good. It's so terrifying. And then the distraction, like the scream it gives when it like moves off real quick. And like, I couldn't have been more frightened and because you know I remember even when, like I knew that they were going to be riding fell beasts in the next ones. I was like, I don't think they'll ever be scarier than when they're on those horses. I think it's because the horses are real. I yes. think there's something about that that um, changes the 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 temperature of the, the scene completely. Is going, holy crap. They put horses' shoes on with the most disgusting nails and like that horse, you know, it it's too real that makes it feel even more and also we didn't see the fell beasts in the same way too. We never no. really got like but to your point that you made in a previous episode, the Nazgul are not the bad guys. So we can't in the other two movies. Like obviously, like they're the underlings. But in the first movie, our big badder the Nazgul. So we yeah. do need to spend intimate time. I think if you, if the Nazgul happen to be the bad guys in the second and third films, and like you, you know, Sauron on withstanding or Saruman not being present, you do spend time with kind of getting to 
truly believe that the fell beasts are real. We just don't, they don't have that time to do that. Yeah, like after this, we really don't get like an up close and personal moment until Eowyn, like until sure. I Am No Man. Totally. Like we are face to face with these terrifying things. And then, you know, the whole escape to, to Bree, Buckleberry Ferry, that whole thing where, you know, it's night. You see it right off in the moonlight Oof. and then jump out of the trees. Like, this is where Peter Jackson is just in his horror directing bag with the screaming into the night running through and then, you know, barely making it uh, uh, to Buckleberry Ferry. And also, then, to get the horse to skid on the wood? Um, like, this whole scene, and I, I say it later, where Arwen, whoever the stunt writers were, just literally insanity. fast and furious, literally Tokyo drifting these horses, like, weaving in and out of trees, like... This so underappreciated just the horseback riding in this first movie where she is just going. I don't know who the stunt woman was, um, but just riding in and out, you know, around horses, around trees, evading these guys is so good. And then, you know, not to get too far ahead, but when she whispers the Elvish chant to like make Lord it go Lee. faster, the yeah. like you see the this it's just perfect camera work where you see the, the hooves like hit harder, like the da dun. And then it goes mm. off. I was like, and that happens in the book too, like Gilgalad. Uh, uh, not uh, is it Gilgalad? No, it's um, no. Glorfindel. Mm-hmm. Um, yells that when Frodo's on the horse by himself, and the the horse just takes off. Amazing. <laughs> um, but just that whole part, and then once they run, like the tone is so changed. Again, we go from Galadriel doom and gloom monologue to concerning hobbits and Bilbo's party. And yeah, there's a little, like, we're getting serious and everything. Um, But as soon as the Nazgul shows up, everything, you know, even when they see the wood elves, you know, like Frodo and Sam, like, this is where just the skills of the world prepare these guys better. Because, like, if you told us, like, hey, you got to go on this backpack journey, we'd be like, oh, is there a McDonald's on the way? Like, like, but like Sam and Frodo, they know how to build a fire. They know how to cook out there. Like, right, right, they're not right. comfortable, but they're making it. Right. But even then, after that, they're sneaking into Bree, and you know, he's like, "Oh, our business is our own." Like, he's it's real now. And the guy's like, "I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just the, I'm just the gatekeeper. It's my job." I think that's why when you and I did the episode about Frodo, even. that's kind of why I'm keeping my eye on him while we're doing this rewatch is like, where are these moments of him just being a badass, like being a leader. And it is in those moments where he's like, you know what? I don't have to answer that question. I've never had to deny somebody in their life because in Hobbiton, I mean, maybe you're avoiding the Saxville Baggins is, but that's about, that's different than. Yeah. It's avoiding somebody you want to talk to. Yeah. So there's also an amazing tone shift with, Mary and Pippin too. You're totally right. Pippin's an idiot. He's the worst. But because this, this is the we're gonna get to it. The bar scene is after everything that they just went through. Oh yeah, he's out of his mind. He's out of his mind. But but Mary gets it. Mary's Mary the one, gets it. Mary's the one who throws the bag to cause the diversion to make the Nazgul go. He's the one that knows where Buckleberry Ferry is, the nearest crossing. But that moment, even if you like, we catch it. Everyone's seeing. Everyone's watching the same movie. But Mary's like, something's wrong here. It's it's after something. And doesn't even, like, wait for an answer. Or, like, Frodo's like, we have to go. And he goes, right. 
and he, and he makes the decision. I'm in. Mary's locked in from the beginning. It's all like amazing. Mary. Mary's that guy for sure, and he's like that in the book. I think Mary's the one that's saying like, "What kind of friends would we, would we be if we let you do this on your own?" Like, we know we don't have to go. But we're going. Yeah. And he is dialed in from the beginning. And another badass moment that Frodo has is when he's running to Buckleberry Ferry, he's like, push off now. And he's like, I got to, like, I'm going to make this jump. Wow. And Amazing. He, and there's a moment in Inglorious Bastards where um, they're, you know, they're about to kill, like, he's, they've got to get to Hitler's booth and there's two guards. And he's like, okay, when I get the first guy, can you get that second guy? He's like, I've got to. And it's just like that's it. There's that's no just, other choice. There's no there's no other option. And just and that's who Mary is. He's like, I've got to. We've got to make it. And you saw and him so, for two seconds go, This is bad. Okay, fine. We can handle it. Yeah, and he's that, like that black rider was looking for something or someone and Frodo doesn't tell him what it is, what the he's like, we gotta get to Bree. He's like, Buckleberry Fairy. Let's just go. Be locked in, baby. It's my boy. It's the same, it's the same determination you see in Frodo going, Well then what do I have to do? And it's yeah. so this is why Gandalf knew that there was something special about hobbits. Yeah. And it's just that cuz the my problem with the reason why it's impactful for me to kind of rewatch it and keep this eye on them is I always conflate Merry and Pippin and I always think of Merry being as immature as Pippin is. Pippin's just dumb. And Pippin also the actor that plays Pippin is perfect, but he also just looks a little bit older than Merry and I know that that's a crazy but that's why I think of Mary as I've always thought of Mary as like the younger, like, you know, yeah. it's, it's been hard. It's kind of hard for me to divorce how they look from their actual like maturity levels. But Pippin's, a, Pippin's the worst. Pippin, Pippin is the worst. And this this next scene where you you're standing right next to him when he says Underhill, you are right <laughs> there. But even it's so funny. As soon as they walk in the bar and like Mary's smiling as well. But and he, oh, they're like, thrilled. He, they're thrilled. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're, we're at a bar. We're safe. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one will touch us in this pub. <laughs> While every single man is eyeing them. <laughs> I love like the oh, it's so good because like even when Gandalf first departs them, he's like, don't trust anyone. Uh, Sauron has spies, birds, and beasts. And then you hear like a you know a bird take off and like something caw and like rustle. It's like as soon as Gandalf is gone. It's just this realization like, hey, we are two three feet tall little inexperienced hobbits and we are by ourselves. Yeah, now. totally. It, it, like the realness hits them there and then it just elevates when we get with the Nazgul. Um, but yeah, Pippin just like getting too drunk and saddling That's up. That's what it is. It's He's just drunk. But because um, even Sam goes, you've already had two, you know, whatever yeah. he had. That's fair. I think that's what it is. We've all done dumb things. True, but it's just like you heard him say Underhill, and then obviously the 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 skeezy bar patrons, the regulars over there, uh, are like, "Oh, have you heard of a, a Baggins, huh? Uh, you know who Baggins is?" And then he's like, "Oh yeah, Frodo Baggins, uh, twice removed on my mother's side." And it's like, "Oh my god!" Just giving him the family tree, the social security number, I'm the address, the guy, like craziness. He's a blood type. Oh, <laughs> right. His password's this. His mother's maiden name. Like, can you believe his password's one, two, three, four, five? Yeah, his password is password sixty nine. Like, uh, <laughs> it's just it, absolutely the worst. And then, uh, even what is it like when when one Strider just the simple mm. things of him like grabbing 
grabbing Frodo. One, I, I want to uh, talk about how it feels to first put on the ring and like the perfect interpretation of like the pressure coming in, the wind blowing, everything being distorted. You know, it's not something I imagined. And I wonder, I didn't really like it much in The Hobbit. I feel like The Hobbit should have been, it was like a little bit clearer, but it, it shouldn't have been. It's like in The Hobbit, it says like he wears it for like weeks on end. Uh, in, when he's in, in in the elf kingdom, yeah. Um, but uh, I love the interpretation of it in this, and like just the eye just coming in, and you see the Nazgul turn directly, and even the simple visual language of you see them crossing a bridge. Like you don't see the river or anything, but you see them crossing a bridge, and that's probably Brandywine Bridge, right? And it's just like, oh yeah, the bridge that uh, Mary mentioned that was twenty miles away, but they didn't know where to go, like. And so it's so it's so well done. This movie's so good. Well, because you're right. Like, probably in the book, putting on the ring at that time uh, in The Hobbit, it, or even in Lord of the Rings, it might not be as, like, pressure in that exact moment. But yeah. with this truncated storytelling time that we have, it totally works. Um, and it's got to be so disorienting where you're it's not like you just put this ring on and like you're invisible everything's the same but like even the faces that are looking at you are like horrifying he's not he's scared he puts on the ring and it's even more terrifying what he's going through it's wild yeah you have like sauron himself like talking to you like saying i see you awful just the worst and then go ahead did, did we already pass the part of no, yeah, we already we already we glanced over Sauron Gandalf visiting Sauron. Oh, yeah, we haven't done that. That comes yet. before um Mary and Pippin get involved, I think. Yes. Um cuz there's he's supposed to meet them at the Prancing Pony. That's right. And I guess just this is the thing that like I always have a hard time with and I feel like Alex has explained it to me and maybe you have too. But like even Sauron says to Gandalf, "Yo, Sauron can see everything like literally everything and if sauron can see everything he says like through the flesh of men yeah it says through through flesh flesh. and and stone and stuff like that how come he can't find the ring i don't know this is really hard for me no and i i totally get it because like when aragorn says like they're drawn to the ring i'm like well they're right across the street from you (laughs) Like, Aragorn's just, like, perched up in the window, like, look at these idiots. It's like, bro, they can see you. <laughs> Get pr- like, he's, like, feeling like, welcome to Prank Central, everybody. We just pranked some Nod School. Smash that like button. It's like, it's like uh, yeah. It kind of bother. It does kind of, I, I, listen, it's soft magic. It definitely is, and I, but like, and that's the thing is that like that's what I said, you know, about it being right above them on the tree stump. It's like it should find them. Yes. I don't care. It's a, it's an amazing scene, but it should find them, and that's why I like in the book, it is finding them, and then it gets chased off by the wood elves. And right, that, and right, I understand right. why they didn't do that because you you can't have a scene of just like. Um, them camping out with wood elves for two days and, you know, Tom Bombadil and all that stuff. But that book reason makes more sense because it was going to find them. It was like they were hidden and it was sniffing the ground and coming right towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like it was just on the road, just kind of like making his rounds doing patrolling. He's like, Oh, it's close. Um, right. But yeah, I, I, I understand that These argument. Suspensions of disbelief. It's, it, it's asking me, a lot. 
for me, it's the same suspension as like the Eagles thing. Like, why didn't the Eagles just take them to Mordor? So I kind of throw it in that whole whole basket. Um, but I I do understand that. Is that like how did it know like what room that they were fake in? Right. But didn't know that they were across the street. Knew I don't that know. they were in front of beds, but couldn't see them in the knoll of the tree or whatever. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's fair. I, I, I get it. it it's it's. Amazing visual storytelling, but you know, on your twentieth watch, you're like, how how come they they couldn't find them? And it and it does. I guess it doesn't matter, but it does bother me. Um, another thing I like, think honestly, is, just why didn't they like the Nazgul can't be defeated? Like, why didn't they just ransack all of Bree? Like, why sure. didn't they just like go door to door right there, just like burn it down? Yeah, it feels like, sure. like 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 they're being stealthy for this reason, and I'm not sure why. Well, I mean, they do knock. The gate guy into that poor next guy. That <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Just doing my job. He literally God. says, "I'm probably you. picked up this graveyard shift for some extra rent money or something." Just... His kid is really right? sick. He's now he's now he's in. He's literally six feet underground. That's his. That's his burial spot. Um, and they do like the thing is is like the accident or the comp. The, Frodo being compelled to put the ring on does incur death. It does. Yes. He, his mistakes cause uh, damage to other people in his wake. And I don't think he means that, obviously. And the, the ring is compelling him to put it on, too. But anyway, it's those kind of things that, like, go, okay, it's scary, it works, but, like, what actually happens? Um, something I think that's also kind of fascinating to see is when Gandalf approaches Sauron for the first time, how cowed he is by... Saruman? Oh, there is a definite power dynamic there. Like, and he says, like, uh, the the head of my order, he is both wise and he will know what to do and stuff like that. But just like, like, because Saruman's taking shots at him from the beginning. It's like, oh, your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. It's like, yeah, but it, like, he just kind of like takes that one on the chin. It's like, yeah, but can we, can we stop him? Like, yes, it's, yes. It's, it's awful. Like, Poor Gandalf. Like, I don't want to see Gandalf like that at all. Also, I think we talked about this. Because we, it, you know, Christopher Lee was MI6. He's 6'5. He's, He's a big guy. So tall, dude. And I'm like, he can't be taller than Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen's only 5'11. And it works great for their power dynamic. Like, just like, I, I bet you they even put, like, Christopher Lee on stilts. It is scary. He's scary. And I'm going to go on record just because we're talking about this scene. The worst part of any movie Peter Jackson has ever made is the wizard fight. End of story. It's I, the worst. It's not the worst, because this, for me, is like the soft magic again. Like, they're not going to... This isn't Harry Potter, where they're going to, like, create shapes and snakes and Whiz spells. Bang. And, yeah, yeah, and it's like, I... Is it just force pushing over and over? I'm okay with it. Could could it have done better than the, the spinning head thing? I guess. I remember, I remember like, kind of like head tilting at it when I first saw it, but I was like, it didn't bother me because in the end it does look good. You know, him spinning up into the right, tower. Right. And you have to like start that somewhere. Um, but he could have done such a better job that I guess like I tried to look at it a, a thousand times today. I've tried to look at it a thousand times in the past. I believe it's a dummy that they're just whipping around. And I like on this, I'm like, sure. But it would have been so much better if we just had like a static camera on Ian McKellen's face while he's grasping at 
the floor trying to get, you know, while he's being spun around. That's not an easy shot either, I'm sure. But would have been so much more interesting than seeing a dummy being. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder, like, how they workshopped it. Like, what got them to that place as, like, the final take. Sure. And uh, really, it's literally, like, a two-second shot, if that. And it's forgivable. It's, It's akin to the other thing I hate beyond measure is how Legolas jumps onto the horse. It's that one always surprised me because like if he had just turned around and like swung right up, that makes sense. It's really cool and it looks good, but that's probably the worst CGI in the entire trilogy that really doesn't hold up is that he goes against the momentum. Like he's, he's coming, this, the horse is like on his left when he turns around and then it's on his right. And if he would have just swung up that same side, Absolutely. Right. But he like swings up opposite side. Yeah. It's and like that- he wanted us to go, look at what elves can do, but it's such a bad choice to then do that. Like have a stunt person try to do that, I guess. Like But even like even if it's a CGI shot of like just him going up that that same side, it would have been fine. Like it would have made sense, but it's like he's going against his own momentum, the momentum of the horse that's charging. It's it's it was always I remember being like, Oh, that was cool, but even at that point I was like, I didn't like Inertia doesn't make sense right there. 100%. So that how that made me feel, this also makes me feel. Of course you can forgive it. It doesn't make or break the film, but it's always bothered me. But I do, lo- like, even knowing that they're, like, immortal beings, you do feel, like, the impact of, like, these two old men, like, being slammed on concrete over and over and over again. Like, you even see in the next scene uh, with Sarman when he's, like, well, burn the forest down. He's still bruised and bloodied up. Sure, sure. That's I, totally I don't fair. think I'd noticed that before, but just oh, like... Oh, I don't like, know that I caught it either. I th- I'm pretty sure I saw, like, he's still, like, a cut under his cheek or something like that from the fight. Probably, and, because, but it's just a sh- he's in the shadow so much that I don't think I caught it. But I think that's yeah. exa- I'm sure that's right. But, yeah, it's just I, I do... I like the fight in that, like, the the hits feel real. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, like, these invisible force pushes or whatever you want to call it. But when they're going, like, you know, when he's being thrown through the door and all these things, and I like the cold grip of his hand when he takes Gandalf's staff, like, the visual stuff is good, but I under- I've i always understood the complaint about the, the breakdancing Gandalf at the but end. But even <laughs> walking back, you know, into the room while they're fighting with the two staffs, it's very menacing, and it totally, there's parts of it that totally do work. It's just yeah. a lot of parts of it that don't. All right, so we've talked about, you know, the Nazgul coming in, to Brie and really biffing it. Imagine talking to the boss about that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Call it. oh sorry there, boss. <laughs> we got Where it wrong. It's like the space balls. Those are their stunt doubles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's feathers. <laughs> uh, they get onto the road, you know, after Strider manhandles Frodo. And I never clocked this before, but Aragorn Strider at this point still kills a a whole ass deer to feed Kills them. a whole ass deer. <laughs> like, and then slings it on his back. And poor Bill the Pony's got to be like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That that could be me. <laughs> Thank and God he carries, caught that deer. Carries the whole deer to, and I think, I don't think it's a buck. I think it's a buck. Doesn't it have It's definitely ones? a buck. Yeah. He ends a buck and brings it to dinner. And so that's probably where they get the meat for the bacon. <laughs> I think. For sure. Some, uh, what is it called? Uh, venison. That's right. That's right. And then we get to Weathertop. Yes. And I, I do like the extended, like, travel through the wilderness because it does give me a, a little bit more passage of time and, like, that they are truly roughing it out there 
from the difference of like, oh, Sam and Frodo are going through farmer maggots crops. Oh no. Well, they to like, still have oh bread. no. Yeah. Now now we're we're really in it and it is a struggle. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And and it does work. And I mean the odds are against Strider, I think, in this first part. Because we don't if like, especially if you don't know the books, you have no idea what this guy's intention is, except that he knows Gandalf, right? And is like, but like you do, what what is it about Vigo or the performance that makes you realize you can trust him? I guess is what I'm asking. I, th- I think it's like you know that line that we heard in the trailer, like you're not nearly frightened enough, which you know he's not wrong. Um, and then you're like putting the can- like the, the simple thing of like putting the candles out with his fingers, like oh who's this guy? This guy's <laughs> tough. And then and then just like the simple thing of. Um, you know, they're all whispering about him. It's like, oh, he's, he smells foul. Like, oh, we have no choice but to trust him. It's like, yeah, where is he leading us? He's like, oh, to Rivendell. And it's just like those those old action, 80s action movie things of like, yeah, I heard everything you just said. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's just like simple, like badass things that he's doing. And, you know, again, I I wonder about Sean Connery. I think he could have done this. There is no way Stuart Townsend could have done this. There's no way Stuart Townsend sure. could have yanked Frodo and taken off his hood and you immediately know, like, this guy's real. Yes. I think you're right about that. I, yeah. I don't I, – that guy would have been too pretty to play Aragorn in if you listen to our yes. episode about that where we talked all about that. Vigo's the perfect amount of I, – I, and I think it's – I don't – I can't recall whether it's also in the book, but, you know, Frodo says, I feel like someone that was – of of Sauron, uh, Sauron's on Sauron's side would, oh, would look fairer, would look fairer or smell fouler, or or, yeah. or, or act fouler. You know, yeah. like, and you're so right. When someone can like say the truth at the moment, going, "No, you're in serious danger, and I'm the least of your concerns." Yeah. You know, that does that kind of truth always should work. And and Aragorn. Pulls it off perfectly. Now, I have a question for you. Mm. What kind of foreplay is Aragorn and Arwen into? Oh, my God. (laughs) Deep, passionate kissing. No, she pulls a sword on him, homie. That's weird. Why is she doing that? What kind of cute, meat cute is that? I love it. That's weird, bro. You love it. I love it so much. I was much. thinking that they did that so that you weren't not surprised, but you're like, okay, she's a, she's she can handle she means business. And when she pulls her sword out on the other side of the river, facing off against the Nazgul, you like understand that she's already equipped. It's not like she pulled it out of nowhere. It's also, and we talked about this when we talked about Arwen or maybe Aragorn. I can't remember which episode it was. It also again hierarchy of power. We have mm-hmm. seen this guy show up, boss everyone around go into the wilds, and handle five Nazgul by himself with nothing but a sword and a torch. Literally just fended off, and like he explained what the Nazgul... And again, more exposition that doesn't feel like exposition. Aragorn talking about the Nazgul are the Nine Kings. Right, that we, right. We just got the, you know, like, oh, nine rings are gifted to men. Oh, these are the nine men that were tempted by the, the rings. Okay, this is all clicking for us. Um, and he just like, we could talk about Weathertop, but just real quick about Arwen, just like, we saw this guy go 5v1, and meanwhile, like, oh, like, we gotta find this Athelas plant, like, we, like, he's a healer, he knows the wilderness, 
And then he just gets snuck up on. And that's how powerful this elf is. Right. That's how powerful this woman is, is that like we just saw everything Aragorn just did. And then he just gets like kind of like tapped on the shoulder like, hello. <laughs> I could kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a very good point. It really does put into perspective. Um, this is that he is not even the best, but he's the best no. man. Yeah, that's he's a very the best good point. man. But. There's there's still plenty of room for improvement with elves. No wonder like, that's hot. Sorry, Owen. You could never surprise never. our boy. Never surprise yeah, our boy. Yeah, you can kind of parry with a sword when he's got a dagger, but you could never sneak up on him like that. Because <laughs> she'd be like making some stinky stew and trying. And he's like, Oh God! Let's not talk about cumin. her cooking. <laughs> Come on, she smells like that burnt cumin. You know yeah. she does. Uh, but so yeah, yeah the weather the top. weather top. Yeah, how when this music kicked in, like the the op- operatic voices singing to the rafters, you get you know it's so perfect. Um, you know they nice crispy bacon. You see them coming through the fog in that formation, and then you know they're they're looking all around at the top. They don't know where, and of course they do such a good job of like just singling out Frodo every single time. And he's the one that sees them first. And then you see, like, their swords, like, raise all together. Mm. And, you know, luckily, none of our hobbits die. They're just like, ah, get out of the way. That's <laughs> 100% like, my note, too. It's like, you should have just cut him down. <laughs> <It's> yeah. Like- <laughs> but having, like, him put the ring on again and seeing the faces of the kings is so well done. And how, like, like you see their crowns and everything. And then Frodo getting stabbed, Aragorn coming in and one v fiving all of them. Now I know I, I I have a like I know that the Witch King can't be killed by a man, but can other Nazgul be killed? Well, hold on. Why can't he be? Does he uh, just say that? He he's, it's self fulfilling prophecy. He That's what it. I'm he, saying. He girl bossed himself. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not like he talked to the three witches in Macbeth. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's like. Does is that true? I wonder if that's true. I always felt like that was like something he felt like he could just say and scare the the pants off of people. Does yeah. that make a sense? It to may- you? <laughs> yes, but I, I I think it's part of the lore. Okay, but I, fine. I don't know it might why. Be. I don't know why, but it um, might be. Yeah, but uh, but seeing that final chase scene and like how one got elijah woods acting and like his contacts are just like mm. feel like that's i feel like that's the meme that everyone said it's just like he's just staring at you with those freaking doll blue eyes like it's it's crazy and then arwen writing for rivendell the music kicks right back in again and again you know we said it earlier just the stunt work with these horses is absolutely insane and this chase is so cool riding just across the, you know, the plains of New Zealand. And how did you feel about, you know, we, we talked about soft magic. How did you feel about this, like the, the, the river scene? I feel like uh, those poor horses. I know. You know? Mis- mistreated their whole lives and they're the only <laughs> ones that die. <laughs> Truly. It's, you know, just horse on horse crime is very sad. Um, but I, I, I think it totally works for me it always has um you you can actually see arwen fearful for a second like going i don't know exactly what to do oh wait i can let's try this yeah i do love the if you want him come and claim him and she's i think 
she's either buying time or like. Oh, she's baiting them into the river for sure. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, once she crosses uh, the river, I can't think of what river it she is. She wasn't calling their bluff. I no, she was baiting them into the mm. river, like. But I do love that line. Like it's basically like we just got the Matrix, you know, two years earlier with Neo giving the the hand signal sure. to, to Agent Smith. It's basically the same thing. Um, yeah, it's high fantasy. Come here. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that line. And uh, Liv Tyler absolutely owns this moment. It so works. Hard. It works. I mean, honestly, when she shows up after you know when after she nearly kills Aragorn. Nothing is literally more beautiful than her coming toward Frodo in that moment. I, I, yeah, we didn't talk about that. That's such, again, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the visual filmmaking of this, or I am, way too often. But just, they just said he's becoming a wraith. He's becoming a Nazgul. Like, he's slipping into darkness. And then seeing this beautiful aura and light coming towards him as an elf. It's like, oh, this explains exactly what this is. That elves are like this pure goodness. Um... Everything that Galadriel said with the self-hype video. Um, <laughs> and he's slipping into darkness, and that's what he would see. And it's so it's so done. It is it is beautiful. Her, she is at, at peak beauty. I, I it's not fair. There's uh, the beauty that that she's exhibiting here is a different beauty that Galadriel exhibits. Yes. But I don't know that there isn't a more beautiful um, frame in this whole film. And she's, it's just, it's just in a very impactful moment. And then you just see her be a normal, you know, being trying to help. And it's yeah. very cool to see that dichotomy. And then she's nothing but tough, man. She's nothing. Yeah, she but, gets hit in the face by a branch, doesn't even flinch. And she raises her sword to seven Nazgul that are gonna kill her and him. Wait, it's, it's seven? It's not all nine? It's not all nine. Oh. I'm almost positive it's not all nine. Um, oh, well, it was seven on the planes while they're getting chased. It might be all nine when they're on the banks. I don't know if I counted that incorrectly because it, it went, you know, it's so I talked about I, I made a note about this, but it didn't come up. Like, it's so cool to see there's only one. All right. They 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 miss them at the at the. It's Fairy. eight on the planes. It's eight on the plane. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I've got the. I've got the. Here, I can show you. Give me one second. No, no, it's great. I believe you. Yeah, just like I. I thought it was all nine. So the fact that it's eight is honestly surprising to me. No, you see them throughout the film. You don't. No one ever goes. And now there's nine. The only time they ever talk about how many <laughs> there are is when. Uh, now there Arwen are two says, of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Arwen says you have five chasing you, and then you see five, then you see six come after her. I, I only counted seven at one point. But at, yeah, that makes sense. One is eight, and then they—I think—they all converge at, on gotcha. the river. That's probably right. But it's what an amazing way to increase t tension yeah, it, that way. I love it. And it's... the water turning into horses works for me. It's—it's it's frightening and it's perfect. It works. I love it so much. And I then, love everything about it. And then. Frodo dies, and that's the end of this review, folks. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, Frodo, uh, will he make it? No, he'll die. He's She's crying. Why else should she be crying? I do, like, uh, everything is so good about this first part. I know. And she. That's also what's beautiful about Arwen and choosing to have Arwen instead of, was it Glorfindel in this moment or yeah. the other guy? Um, She doesn't even know Frodo. But she's so empathetic. She's such an ethereal being. She's moved to tears by his struggle. 
And yeah. Frodo looks bad. Frodo looks, Frodo looks rough. <laughs> got mucus coming out of his eyeballs. His Frodo mouth. goes through it in these movies, man. <laughs> Poor Frodo. No one cares about him. Yeah, and and then she's just in moved to tears when really she should be running to Rivendell in that moment. Like, stop crying, girl. You got to go. But yeah. it's amazing to see her empathy in that moment, too. So, yeah. I do want to say Arwen gives away her... Oh, there's a little gecko on my... On my wall right here. Oh. Um, it's like outside my window. Sorry. It's like literally. I don't think LA has geckos too. So someone lost a gecko. Someone lost a gecko. Poor guy. Um, but she gives away like her immortality quite a few times in these movies. Uh, I, I was going to ask. Is, is she just being like, is she just praying over him? Or did she, is this where she actually gives up? <laughs> I don't know. Because she's like, uh, whatever gift you've given me, give whatever it to him. Whatever grace you've given me, give it to him. And then in, you know, two ta- like she gives obviously uh Aragorn her Evan Star. And right. then uh when he falls off the the horse in the river, like it's like, oh, like may the grace of the Valar. It's like, bro, how how okay, okay. <laughs> she has a lot of more immortality to You know what? I believe it. I believe it, okay? <laughs> she's like, okay, take my grandmother's immortality. Like she's right. just <laughs> Yeah, that that did kind of. Uh, Speaking of Yugo, she's got like got her cards like shuffling them. Okay, I got this one. All right, uh, draw four immortality. <laughs> Uno she's reverse like, immortality. You, you don't have a land. You can't play that card. <laughs> <laughs> it's very. It is very funny. Well, I think that does put an end. Anything else you want to say about this particular section of the the movie? Until, um, before we close, I, it I have to wait for Dune Part Two. But I think Dune is the only thing that comes close to, like, what a perfect introduction to an entire universe. I I think Star Wars is up there. You know, obviously Star Wars is Star Wars. But even Star Wars doesn't explain a lot of stuff. It's just like, we're just going. We are, like... Which works. Which does work. Yeah, it works. New Hope is great. They just ask you to, to like, accept it. And I'm kind of cool with that. Yeah. But, like, I don't want... Zendaya's narration... Is it Zendaya? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zendaya's narration at the beginning of Dune is rivaling Kate Blanchett's uh, prologue. Like, I think it works just as well, where it's like, here's the Harkonnen, we're on Arrakis, here's what Spice is, they're terrorizing us, um, now they're gone for some reason, and we don't know why. And it's just like, it works, it works so well. I've, I can't remember if I've seen Dune once or twice but I probably, especially since I love Dune, I, there's a part of me that doesn't want to watch it again and then still have to wait another year until the second part comes Bro, out. Oh, it was supposed to come out the other day. Uh, finally, Alex and I watched um, Across the Multiverse. We hadn't seen the second Spider, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Oh, Across the Spider-Verse? Got it, Thank got you. Um, we hadn't watched that yet, and so we rented it. And I did not know it's a part one. Oh, how broken up were you about that? I'm mad still. Still, it's, what a cliffhanger, man! It's too because, like, at one point, I'm like, "There's." First of all, they should have cut out forty minutes of just all the Spider Mans chasing him, and they could have no, resolved the movie. No I know, it's amazing. way! It's, amazing. it's so great. It is so good, and I'm saying that facetiously. But it's like you spend a lot of time on a couple of things where you could give us a like, what's going to happen to the? It's too much. It's like I'm it is so upset. So much. It, I'm like, so upset. There was a visceral audience reaction because, like, there's one point where where you like, oh, this movie's gonna end, and then it keeps going, and then we hear like that that music kick in, you know, when Gwen is getting the team together and stuff like that, and like the guitar is going, and then she's like, you know, 
I found a, a new band. You want to join? And then it was like part two coming to it. Everyone, everyone lost their minds in the theater. People were not okay. No, because I would have sat there for another th- hour and watched the film. Do you know what I mean? Like I would have oh, watched sure. the resolution of that film. And don't get me wrong. I am not unhappy about getting another two and a half mo- hour movie of that world. But we don't know when we're getting it. That's my point in why I'm having a hard time going back to watch Dune because it's a while until we get to watch the second part but and that's least, frustrating to me. At least with Dune, we have a finished product. With Spider-Verse, like they said, "Oh, it's coming out in March." When the movie came out, it's coming out in March. Like, "Okay, cool." And but then as they soon as it, like yeah. Haley Haley um Steinfeld was like, "I haven't recorded my VO yet." And oh, everyone was like, "Oh no." no. And then, and then you know, of course, like when the actors and writers strike, they're like, oh yeah, because of the strike, we're, we're gonna have to lay. Oh yeah, because of the strike, Sony, sure. Oh no! So how I don't dare know. they? How dare yeah. they? No, I trust me, I get it. Like the fact that we're probably gonna have to wait another two or three years for the conclusion of this because I'm give the them a animation year. is so dynamic. They probably it, have a lot of the animation done though, and they probably have a lot of the story done. I think that you had those two. I think you have the story I don't at least. No, Jess, because I know. like that, all that stuff came out about how it was like bad working conditions for the movie I and stuff. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, a lot of oh, stuff came upsetting. out about that. So, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know, and it's very someone can correct me if I'm wrong, if there is a set date, if there is like are they in post-production or whatever? I don't know what post-production would be for an animated movie. If it's all like, if it's like 95% if it's all production. Post- yeah. yeah, it's all just production because it's animated. Um, but uh, I'm sure you have different cells working on different parts of the film and then post is like bringing it I all hope together. Because so, I, I love that. I've seen it so many times now and it's just like. Dude, it's fantastic. So I think this is the takeaway. Do what Peter Jackson did. Shoot it all. Edit it all and just release it. Yeah. Like, don't don't make these false promises. Anyway. Yeah, because both, you know, both the way Dune ends is almost like, oh, it's over? Okay. Yeah, that was the truly only major disappointment besides casting Jason Momoa. Oh, get out. <laughs> I won that argument. You did not. So the only... Uh... Okay, Borat. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> Perfect delivery. Uh, the 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 main compliment I ha- uh, main um complaint I have about that film is the ending. It, it, yeah, I understand why they ended it there. I get it. I I know what we're waiting for. It's fine. I feel like they could have still done it in a more strong way. Um. Anyway, just do it like Peter Jackson did, and you guys won't have to wait that long for us to do part two of the first movie. You just have to wait till next week. Just do it like that. Yeah, because... I think I think we'll have a big culmination episode probably not after each movie but after the trilogy and talk about it all and maybe alex will join us who knows that'd be nice we do love him Um, we do and if you love us you could go follow us at poter pod on instagram you could follow us at um pod of the rings on twitter i will marry those two i think we're gonna do poter pod i think that was why i never changed it i realized just I don't I don't know if people would ever call us Poder Pod, you know Poder what I mean? Pod, because Loader is out there. Everyone knows Loader, but then it's Poder. It's true. So, um, or you could be a member of our Patreon and support us for doing this fun work. Um, at it's uh, Patreon 
com forward slash pod of the rings or join our discord which will have a link in the liner notes of this show yeah do that yeah and until then folks may our paths meet again 